Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Show of Requirement Harry Potter podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Spencer Price, and on behalf of David, we are so excited for our show to finally become its own podcast, where every Thursday or so, we deep dive into the wizarding world of Harry Potter and just all the universe has to offer. For the summer, we're re-releasing our original content, so new listeners will be getting new content and we'll have our entire library all in one place. This episode was David and I's very first discussion on Harry Potter back in June of last year. Six months into podcasting, trying to do fandom justice, and we hadn't done a single Harry Potter episode. We, we weren't sure what to do, but we felt best and really, we felt the best and really only way to begin was to figure out where we were at. What is the canon anymore? Does anything make sense? What's going on? And so that's kind of the question that we, we tried to answer. We just had a ball of a time recording this, and if you're fans of our show already, welcome back. New content will be coming soon, and if you're a new listener, enjoy. gazebo effect and this is a special episode a special episode in terms of the definition of it's not a regular episode topic Mm -hmm. this is not this is not an episode to where we have everyone from the gazebo effect podcast on here but it's special because like you said it's not something that we necessarily planned for when we were prepping for season two but something that became a topic and we were just like hey let's go ahead and talk about this yeah not part of an ongoing series or anything like that yeah so obviously it's me david gonzalez and i'm joined by my good friend spencer price yes i am here i am and today we are talking about a franchise that is i would say dearly loved by a lot of a lot of people it's not Star Wars. It's not Indiana Jones. It's not Marvel. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, um, SpongeBob SquarePants verse, of course. It's Harry Potter. So if you love Harry Potter, this is definitely the podcast for you. I mean, it's it's just a world that is unlike any other. Um, you can even have Star Wars and Star Trek. You know, you have Marvel and DC, but you don't have anything else rivaling really Harry Potter in terms of the magical world that is a competition. I would say the closest franchise is Percy Jackson. And even that is sort of a stretch, but Mm -hmm. granted, in Percy Jackson's defense, which I haven't read them, but the books are supposedly very well done. They're so good. So So, good. And their movies are just a bad, bad luck. Yeah, but there's hope for their Disney Plus series. I have hope yeah. for that. Yeah, but for sure. you're going to find out today that in terms of, I would say, everything, especially in the world of Harry Potter, I'm a lot more optimistic than I think most people are about where this franchise is going. 
at me next time david no i'm not just at adding you time. i'm adding yeah. literally the entire harry potter fandom I, well not the entirety because that's that's not fair but i would say a good chunk of harry potter fans are not crazy about what the state of harry potter is in terms of the magical wizarding world i think yeah i think you make a good point it's not like people are it's not last jedi or batman versus superman it's not like up in flames there's not an uproar it's more like just they're not crazy about it fed up maybe yes and so i think the topic of this podcast specifically is what is canon in the harry potter wizarding universe and obviously let's go ahead and just start with what is obviously canon and that is the eight films that were made telling harry potter's story um, regardless of how you feel necessarily about you know how faithful they were to the books or whatnot but obviously no one's going to deny that obviously these movies are canon um and i think it was important for us to talk about this first because i i really do want to to stress how much we actually love these movies oh for sure i like talking about harry potter because for some things like star wars you're a bigger fan than i am and then for other things i'm a bigger fan than you but i believe that we're kind of on an even playing field with harry potter for sure yes i agree but we're massive fans i would say the movies are definitely canon but the books are are more canon than the movies mm-hmm. like if you have to have the the most amount of canon like material then the books have more material so then by that definition they're also canon yeah and i think especially in terms of things that i get excited about the things that you can say about harry potter is that whether it's the movies or the books you get excited for either one of them uh, you get excited to rewatch um, harry potter on usa network and you also get excited when you reread the books and in both cases i think for me when i when i do either one of those things i find something new to enjoy about just experiencing harry potter either through reading or through watching i think harry potter is just one of the most well done jk rowling really planned it out and everything fell into place and really it, it worked out every single time a lot of it is because it's this whole new wizarding world that's like full of wonder to harry potter but also to us and so we get attached to Harry because we're following, like we're following him into this new world. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of highlight again, one of the things I still love about the movies is there in, in some aspects, the characters kind of change in terms of what they're like in the books into who they are in the movie. So the example that I'm going to use is in the Deathly Hallows in the book Harry uses the Elder Wand to fix his old wand and then places the wand back into Albus Dumbledore's tomb. However, in the movie, Harry just breaks the Elder Wand and throws it off the bridge at Hogwarts. And in terms of my initial reaction, I was like, wait, that doesn't happen in the books. However, when you look at how Harry is portrayed in the films 
when I look back on it, it doesn't seem very far off to the Harry Potter that is portrayed in these films. I mean, you're right. And we talked about, we touched on this in the very first episode, actually. There's somewhat of a difference between even every character, really. I mean, Hermione even is pretty accurate to the books, but she's obviously, she's Emma Watson, so she she's not as, like, the transition from, I guess, I don't want to say ugly, that's kind of mean, but, like, Hermione had this transition in Goblet of Fire to being this beautiful lady, but, like, everyone was like, oh, Emma Watson went from being Emma Watson to Emma Watson. Yes, yeah. But that's not a bad thing. No. I don't even care about that. Like, even J.K. Rowling said, like, I, did, I think she's way too pretty to be Hermione, but she portrays Hermione so well. But, yeah, there's yes. a difference between Harry Potter... I think the book one's more the character. He's more clever. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a little smarter than the movie one. Not that the movie one isn't. It's just how it's betrayed. And I think the movie one's a little more arrogant too. Right. I agree. Like he doesn't even hesitate to break it and toss it to the cliff. Yeah. He's just he's a different mindset too. Yes. But I it agree. works. It's it so works. good. Yeah. Like on the rewatch, I didn't even hesitate like mm-hmm. to accept it yeah i mean you just recognize that this is the harry that we see in these films and honestly i love that harry potter one who's you know he's grown up not being wanted he's he, he's grown up being second fiddle you know compared to to dudley for most of his life which we see that portrayed very clearly in the films and so he never comes across as this arrogant person. I think the only time he really does is that one scene in Half-Blood Prince when Hermione is talking to him about, I can't remember her name, but he says, she's going to try to smuggle you a love potion. And she's uh, like, she's only going out with you because you're the chosen one. Well, I am the chosen one. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's Ramil Devane. Oh, yes. I just remember because their last name is Vane. It's just like almost a pun. <laughs> it is. But Half-Blood Prince is also like the movie I've seen by far the most times because it was my favorite book for the longest time. So yes. I've, I just know every word of that movie. I think I'm going to agree with you. I think for a time, it Half-Blood Prince was my favorite book and also my favorite movie. And then I read the Deathly Hallows. Again. Yeah, and I was just like, nope, this is my favorite Hands down. My favorite book. Like, ah, such a great conclusion. Especially the book had so much in it that I absolutely loved. Like, and I've said this before, I think either multiple podcasts or with you just personally, my favorite character in Harry Potter, well, actually, he's my second favorite, but is Albus Dumbledore. I, I I used I I would agree with you for the most part, but as I will, I guess I'll probably get into later. I don't love all of the stuff they've done with Albus Dumbledore. Yes, we we'll, we we can touch on that later. But, but I think I, I, I think I did saying. in a way. He's still he's even more. I appreciate him more because on the reread of Deathly Hallows, I started getting really frustrated about Albus Dumbledore because he's just. He's like the god figure in the story, but he's mm-hmm. like 
not that is what you learn in the end. Like he's, he was broken. He went after the Deathly Hollows. He went after riches, et cetera, et cetera, in his youth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that frustrates you, but like maybe that, that makes him more tragic. He's like a tragic hero. Yes, yes. And I think that's why I loved him so much is because, I mean, was my perception of Albus changed after reading the Deathly Hallows? Absolutely, of course. But, you know, it kind of made his character more not i don't want to say relatable but you understood his character more of why he was the way he was when he was at hogwarts you know he was private as the headmaster he's private in his personal life and then when you see those things come out you're just like wow man he had a lot going on within himself but you can't deny or take away that he's one of the greatest wizards of all time and I even like, I've said this before to you personally, I'm a fan of Michael Gambon's Dumbledore yes. for all for all but one scene, which everyone knows what that scene is. Can you please remind our millions of listeners? Would you like the book version or the movie version? <laughs> Both. Harry, did you put your name into the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> Dumbledore asked calmly. Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? No, sir. Did you ask somebody else to do it for you? No, sir. You're absolutely sure. Yes, sir. But of course he is lying. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being carried Sorry. away. No, that's. I, th- oh, I feel like we did not rehearse that. We did not rehearse that, and we did so well. I knew I'm he was going to do it. I knew, I knew David, you were going to do that. No, sir. <laughs> because I sent you a TikTok of yeah <laughs> someone doing and I that sent you with the, puppets. and then i sent you the meme and reply <laughs> yes the puppets one was so good though yeah anyway yeah that's like I, the I, only I, scene though like he really yeah. recovered goblet of fire is not very on character order of the phoenix dumbledore is not in it that much because he's kind yes. of hiding from harry potter mm-hmm. because he thinks he's an open door to the dark lord which dumbledore knows that mm-hmm and then he's amazing in Half-Blood Prince. Michael Gambon destroyed it in Half-Blood Prince. He's like the most on-point Dumbledore at that time. Yes. So yeah. I liked yeah. Richard Harris. I don't think he was going to be able to do all of them, though. Like, no. that was not because of his age. Well, I mean, like, even because of his age alone. Not because he was, like, unhealthy when they cast him or something. Mm-hmm. Like, not trying to be discriminating but with that being said that was a very nice transition from actor in the role of dumbledore i think because dumbledore's you know, pretty good in prisoner of azkaban yes and the goblet yes. of fire is really the only point where he really falters yeah but i think even then the goblet of fire the movie for me personally just kind of falters like in terms of comparison to other movies it's not really one of my favorites um we could easily, I could easily do an entire episode over the Goblet of Fire mm-hmm. book versus movie. Yeah. Another time, because Another time. I would need a full reread to really frustrate myself about it. Yeah. But the Goblet of Fire is this really intense book. Yes. And there is so much going on that is not as like left out of the movie. It's not about the Triwizard. The book's not really even about the Triwizard Tournament. No, it's not. It's just a big facade to try to keep you keep your eyes away from what the mystery is. Mm-hmm. And 
the reread it got me especially i kept reading i was like page after page i'm like trying to figure out what's going on but the tribes of tournaments like blocking everything from view Mm -hmm. i feel like barty crouch might have been discovered if like the tribes of tournament hadn't been going on or the dark lord could have been found like in his form that he's in like all this stuff is going on Sirius black is hiding in the mountains next to hogwarts Mm-hmm. Just all this stuff. But the movie takes a completely different turn. And everyone has mullets. And <laughs> it's all about the Triwizard Tournament. But I yeah. will say, we said this, I think, that the, the score for Goblet of Fire is really good. Oh, yes. And the CGI and like the effects are great. It does the, ma- the parts it's supposed to do really well. But it doesn't yeah. do the story justice yeah and i think that's really what i meant in terms of it's not my favorite just because the book was so good that the movie just didn't deliver that same and then order the phoenix intensity or the phoenix (laughs) had the right had the right themes but it was even more painful like doesn't even include the order of the phoenix more than five minutes Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's unfortunate but and i think still good movie yes and i think even in the in the grand scheme of of harry potter these films these books are definitely canon because they're so good they're they're what made us fall in love with the wizarding world i want to i i think you're prepared to talk about this anyway but david i would like you to to talk about what I would say might not be canon above all the other things. Like if anything is not canon, it's probably this. What do you think about the cursed child? So I'm going to be honest here and transparent. I've never seen uh, this musical. Um, However, I have read the summary, the synopsis, um, looked at reviews and everything that I possibly can. Yeah. And uh, hear me out. I'm not saying that this is good or great, but I would personally actually like to see this on on the big screen in terms of three to four movies on on this because I think it's I think it's interesting. I think, that there's a lot of elements that I would really love to tackle. I think you establish these characters at the in the last five minutes of Deathly Hallows, Harry Potter's kids, um, you know, what Drake goes up to, he has a family now, all these different kinds of things. And you like to think, hey, maybe the they're gonna we're gonna see an adventure with these new characters that you've kind of not even established, but you've introduced to us um and so i like the idea of it being more about i mean it's still about harry potter but it's really through um the offspring of the main characters that you've seen from the past eight films it's really their story with their parents coming in and helping them out uh you could compare it to you know Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher coming and helping this new cast of new Star Wars characters to have their own trilogy. 
you could do the same thing with here with Harry Potter. But this specific piece, to me, and I think to a lot of people, has a lot of issues in terms of what is revealed about... I mean, I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. Voldemort has a daughter. Like... Sure. Why not? Okay. Who's the mother? Uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. Okay. And the alt in the alternate timeline where you know Cedric Diggory doesn't die, but Voldemort ends up reigning over all things. Cedric Diggory he doesn't die, but he's so bitter because of uh, Harry's son and Malfoy's son embarrassing him in Task Two. And he's so upset that he becomes a Death Eater. Like, for a lot of people, that doesn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't show who Cedric Dickory was. Because it kind of, anything that Dumbledore said at the end of Goblet of Fire, he was a fierce, fierce friend. That goes out the window for me. Um, and there was just a lot of things in this. I mean, he's a Hufflepuff for crying yeah. out loud. And there's just a lot of things in this musical that elements of it that I really, really like. I love the idea. Is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, I thought it was just a a, play. No, it's a Broadway musical. Okay. Which the book is a play, though. Yes, the book is a play, which I guess which adapted into a to a musical. Um. And actually did pretty well on Broadway. They won a, a couple of awards on, in, in the Tonys. And so it was done very well. But I think in terms of story, in terms of um, continuity uh, with the books and the films, it doesn't deliver. Which is why you hear a lot of people saying, hey, I, I, we don't believe that this is canon. How did... So the time turners don't really work like that either. And that's what they use to travel back in time and forward in time. Yeah. But it's like, it's the, how it should have ended is actually accurate because you'd have to spin it like thousands upon thousands of times. I think it's like one spin an hour ish. Yeah, and and that's the whole thing. You kind of have to redefine what the time turner is. But if you do that, you're going to have to do the same thing in Prisoner of Azkaban. And and that's just a lot of work for anybody to try and figure out. And so... (sighs) I think it's an enjoyable story. I think it's interesting. But Mm -hmm. it's... I don't know if it was Rowling just like trying to appease people or what. I don't because know. it's kind of like she wrote the books and they were like such a big thing. They're like, you have to write more. And like she finally, like I was hoping that she would just say no forever, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want her to write anymore. I sort of did, but I feel like it rounds, in, it rounds things up in Deathly Hollows too well mm-hmm. to do a direct follow up. Yeah. I think. There's definitely was potential to do more. But here's my thing, not just with J.K. Rowling. I think with anybody who writes an amazing piece of 
literature that goes on for books and books, once you have a conclusion, you're always going to have people coming up and saying, hey, you need to write more. I think that as fans, as people, if an author wants to end a story, they have every right to tell us, hey, I'm not writing anymore. I'm done with this story. I believe that I finished it well, and I'd rather not touch it and do something else. But there's always a constant like nudging and a and, and ringing in people's of, of, of that person's ear of fans wanting more content that eventually you just I feel like you they give in and yes they may love continuing to write the story but their head isn't probably all the way into okay comparing like actually sitting down and saying and even maybe herself going through the books again and saying okay what kind of new story can i create that goes in line with what i've written before i feel like that wasn't done this like i don't know i wasn't obviously i wasn't there i wasn't in london doing this but just off of what Harry Potter and the Curse of Child was it didn't seem like that was the main focus was making sure that I went along with what the other books did and that's it doesn't have to but I would consider it if it is canon I would say it's like some kind of it doesn't have to be the main timeline you know yeah yeah but I'm, I mean I would say that some of the stuff still happens. Like, I would say Harry Potter's son probably does go into Slytherin. Yes. Albus. I, I, but, I totally see that as well. But some of the other pieces, like, like the whole story doesn't really have to necessarily happen the same way. Mm-hmm. In every, in at least my head canon. Not th- I think this, it's just like she, I feel like J.K. Rowling does plot twists for the sake of plot twists. I agree. Um, changes something from the original series just to change it and then of course the twitter the twitter author stuff yeah it's just off the rails mm-hmm. like i have no idea it's like things she didn't pre-establish in the books yes like something that's never alluded to i don't which sometimes we see with you know other franchises doing it like things are retconned things that weren't originally intended but those are done well and it doesn't necessarily change an entire story or changes your entire perception of the of a certain character finish the the entire movie of crime to grindelwald like what is going on like what is all this? <laughs> just oh, but it's like it's just play the magic card. But like, what yeah. is it anymore? What is is there any kind of ground rules? With that being said, let's go away from Harry Potter and the Curse of Child and talk about I think what we're going to be spending most of our time on this podcast discussing, and it's Fantastic Beasts. And Spencer, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the floor. I'm going to let you speak on this. What are the issues that you have with Fantastic Beasts? I'll start with Fantastic Beasts 1. I I enjoyed the movie, 
but I haven't enjoyed it enough to go back to rewatch it that recently. I really like Newt's Commander. I like most of the American stuff, but some of that seemed like a ploy to maybe get people on Pottermore or something. Because I was like, why are we... We're in America, okay. Nice. Oh, we're in the 1920s. Okay. Sounds good. I think all the magic creatures were really fun to watch. The parts, the only really beef I had with Fantastic Beasts and where to find them is the the Grindelwald being in the subplot slash Grindelwald being Johnny Depp. I feel like they should have just left Colin Farrell as Grindelwald. That probably would have been a little... I feel like that would have been more compelling for me personally. Johnny Depp is fine. It just... He's not awesome. But the part about the Obscurus doesn't make a lot of sense because it seems like it's it's inside of Credence and it's going to kill him and it does kill him at the end but then they need him to be around anyway for the second one so he just comes back. So the second one... They have... There's just so much beef with the movie. It's way too long. I could. There's too many details. I don't even know where to begin, David. So I guess just to kind of help you, you know, get your thoughts together, um, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about some things in Fantastic Beasts that I noticed. Um, when we talk about the Obscurus um, and we talk about Credence, Here's the one thing that kind of came to my mind. I could be dead wrong about this and go ahead and tell me if I am wrong. Um, They seem to paint this idea that someone who has magical powers, if they experience a life absence of love, they become an obscurus. I think it's if they repress said magic, like they refuse to be, they don't become a wizard. Okay. Um, that makes more sense. Cause kind of the lines where I was going with that more than anything. And now I, I know that no, that's not it, but kind of, I thought it was for some reason I was under the impression it was the idea that someone who went without love, unable to do magic would become an obscurus. And I was thinking in my head, it was like, well, Harry, was abused for the majority of his childhood life, but he used magic without knowing he could use magic, um, which is different. So Credence's mother, or is not his real mother, I don't know, we'll get back to that, but they repressed his magic, and they were terrible to him. Mm -hmm. So he repressed his magical abilities, Mm -hmm. and that's why you think he's a squib. But he ends up being the obscurious, obscurial. Yeah. Obscurious. And even that whole idea of, like you were saying, who Credence is, I think is probably the whole point of you saying there's just way too much details in these two movies alone is even for someone who is a huge Harry Potter fan who dedicates themselves like the star wars historians do to star wars content they dive in they study as much as they can i feel like even they would have 
a lot of issues navigating through these films and be able to make complete sense of every single thing in these movies. I think the Cosmonaut Variety Hour said it well, but most of the crimes of Grindelwald, the peop- the characters are in a place just to be there. But there's like no reason for them to be there. Or like the reason that they went from that point A to point B is because they're a main character in the story. Mm-hmm. So really Newt's commander doesn't have too much of a part to play in the movie at all. But Dumbledore pulls him in just because. Just but I understand that a little bit because Dumbledore yeah. really likes Newt. And mm-hmm. he can't, he's being watched so he can't like directly attack Grindelwald. So here's my proposition. Just kind of want to get your thoughts here. Do you think that if they would have changed the overall name of these two films in terms of saying it wasn't Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, if they gave it any other name that wasn't alluding to the idea that Newt's commander was going to be this main character, the main protagonist in this film, and that the story wasn't going to be about something else other than him and his own journey, if they named it anything else, do you think that you would be able to enjoy it more, understand it more, and just be more okay with the direction that they went with those films? No. <laughs> because it's it's all over the place. The plot is it's here and it's there. Like they're like, oh Nicholas Flamel's in it now because we want to show up the people that Nicholas Flamel's in this movie. Um, now Nagini is not just a snake but is a person. But it's not an animagus because we already did that, so now it's a person that'll eventually turn into their animal and never turn back. I like that part. It's fine, but it has nothing to do with the story whatsoever. And then we're back to having following Credence around. But we're not sure why he's really still alive anyway. And then there's a scene right before... They're, they're always tra- they're trying to find this lost Lestrange person. The whole movie. And right at the end... They, right before they go into like the, the place where Grindelwald's having his big speech, they um, have like four different plot, three different plot twists right in one scene. So they're like, oh no, Credence. Credence is the missing Lestrange. And then they're like, everyone's like, oh, whatever. And then Lita Lestrange, I want to say it's Lita. It's like, no, I killed this person. This was strange. That's like, what? And then basically we're right back to square one where we don't know who Credence is. And then that whole Grindelwald speech is a, is a big mess. And that's not entirely Johnny Depp's fault. It's just all over the place. But he's trying to stop World War II by taking over the human world. And he wants these wizards to join him. But he also kills a bunch of people in the room at the same time. And then Queenie joins him, which it's exciting for the plot, I guess. But it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand why she would follow him when she was such a protagonist in the first one. 
And then they have, then they make the claim at the end of the movie that Credence is a Dumbledore, mm-hmm. which makes, I can't even begin to make sense of that. His age alone. That I didn't enjoy. There's only, there's one fan theory that I think maybe, maybe makes him a Dumbledore. And it's that Dumbledore's sister, I don't want to say her name wrong. Is it Ariana? Yeah. Okay. The The theory is that she's an obscurus. And that she she can't control her magic. And her magic is so explosive because she's an obscurus. And at some point, some way, her obscurus was transfer, transferred to baby Credence. But that still doesn't really make him a Dumbledore. I think, yeah. I think even that is like just a, just a crazy stretch of just it doesn't make sense. Um, especially reading Deathly Hallows, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, could you think something like that would have been something talked about? As if you're, especially in the, if you're trying to show Dumbledore is not the person that he says he is you think that they would put that in there. So I think it's another, it's another one of those things you were talking about where JK Rowling is just writing whatever, uh, and trying to change narratives and change stories or put in that plot twist just for the sake of a plot twist. And that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And yeah, you're just bouncing all over the place. I will counterpoint most of what you said. Only with a disclaimer, I am the most optimistic person you will ever meet in terms of trying to make good of a really poorly written thing. The idea that I think Grindelwald, he obviously wanted control of the entire world. That was obviously his intention. Um, What he was more saying than anything else, I think, is that muggles non-magic people have can seem to have the control of the world within their own little governments that they seem to have but ultimately they are incapable and not good enough to actually have that kind of power at their disposal what he was saying is the wizarding world because we have magic because we are literally better than them he was using that against, um, or not using it against, he was using it for his own cause because he wanted all that power. And he was like, listen, they have nothing to offer. We have everything to offer. It's time for us to take what is rightfully ours. In the sense of, really, it's me trying to get all of this. It's me trying to obtain all this power, all this control. And so for me, his speech at the assembly to me was actually really enjoyable. I I liked it. I thought it was really good. And I felt like especially the Ministry of Magic, uh, whatever that looks like or whatever they're actually called, because I I can't remember at the moment, but I guess it's the the American version of that sense. 
Um, no, it's the Ministry of Magic. Oh yeah, it's okay. In Paris. That's right. It is the yeah, Ministry. Yeah, so they of Magic. set up the whole American part, and then they went straight back to England. Yeah, which was that was confusing, and Europe. I did not like that at all. I said, if you have it started in in New York, finish it in New York. That's just my thing. Don't move locations way too much. But even in saying that, like this gave me a lot of. And I know this is a Harry Potter podcast, but it gave me a lot of Jedi Order, like Star Wars vibes in terms of that the Ministry of Magic just kind of didn't know how to act or how to respond and literally played into the hands of this evil power. Um, Which they just gave that. They did in the Harry Potter series too. Yeah. And so for me, I was like, man, this is... I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. And so if, if I'm saying anything, there was a lot of pieces that I really, really enjoyed from Crimes of Grindelwald, which is why I'm still at the point to where I'm interested in what's coming next. Um, I will not, however, deny that there are a lot of things that were just weird and out of control and didn't make sense. The whole... I wish that Credence would have been, they would have figured out something better for him to even be in this movie than what they gave him. Um, Seriously. Him being, literally, he, you literally could have, and here, here's my dumb theory that won't hold up ever. It's not good, but it's I'm my, again, it. it's my hopeful thinking. It's just Grindelwald's just lying to him because he knows how how powerful he is, that he's going to do anything to get him the most upset and the most mad, and that he can use him for his own power to destroy anything that is up against him. Well, particularly Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore, mm-hmm. because they have the blood pack, which the blood pack right. was fine. Yeah. They don't have to. I mean, like it makes uh. sense. Jude Law as Dumbledore is great. Was so good. I uh, that was really any, good. Any scene that he was in, I I honestly any scene with Dumbledore in this film was great. I enjoyed it. I loved it. My thing with this whole movie, I like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but if they had made this one not a sequel to mm. Fantastic Beasts, yes. it probably would have thrived. Mm-hmm. a lot differently I, I or at least it would have been well. received differently because yes. they didn't have to feel like if they had tried to tell the story between Dumbledore and Grindelwald or just called it the crimes of Grindelwald mm-hmm. probably would have worked out better just because that's what they're focusing on mm-hmm. it's not like you have to spend time going Dumbledore's like you know why you were in America right Newt because well, you sent me there well, that wasn't established in the first movie. Mm-hmm. There hasn't doesn't have to be an exuberant amount of beasts, but also I like that Newt Scamander is like so awesome that that's what he like that's how he gets the upper hand sometimes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to bring Queenie and Jacob back in. You don't have to do Tina. Be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Here, I feel like my... you just be able you just be able to tell the story a little differently. I yeah. don't think J.K. Rowling honestly can can write a super balanced screenplay because I don't think hey, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. 
I don't yes. think it's I don't think it's paced super well anyway. It's mm-hmm. just good. It's just a good, pretty good movie. It just worked out. Yeah, but that's, it's still average. Yeah, that's an interesting point though. I've never actually heard that being said before. But I think if J.K. Rowling would have dedicated herself to making a book for this instead of a screenplay, maybe it would have been a hundred times better. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe. Again, I'm still along. Okay, so here's a new thought that I just had. Um, okay. What if you make like Fantastic Beasts, like an anthology film or something like that, like just a fun movie um, in the magical world of Harry Potter, and then you establish the crimes of Grindelwald as a part of like a trilogy or something like that that you really do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like that's what yeah. they. I feel like that's how they should have paced it. Absolutely. Because that opens it up to where. You can bring Newt Scamander back, but he doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. like Newt Scamander, so I'm glad that they did bring him back. Yes, yeah. but have him have him do something else, though. Have him do something else. Then, or, no, not do something else, but make it to where he's not just randomly doing something with this bigger plot happening and going on. He's still the best. I mean, he's the only reason that I like Crimes of Grindelwald. Well, one of the only reasons. I think Leadler Strange is good. Mm-hmm. And Jacob's the best. We love Jacob. We do love Jacob. So I think much. that's the best part. I think that's one of the best choices that she made was in like putting a muggle in the story. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> He's super funny. Random I side note. I don't like that I don't like that Americans say no match. That's just I don't I don't love it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. It's fine. It's fine. So, I, so here's my question, just to kind of move this conversation along as we as we are fixing to wrap up here. Um, they're obviously possibly coming out with a third movie. They're filming it right now. Yeah, they just resumed filming actually. Okay. Because well, of uh, COVID, they just are they just resumed filming of it. So. Yeah, it's happening whether we want it whether or we not. want it to or not. Which exactly. I want it. I want it to happen. Uh, I want it to in the hope that they'll fix some things. Which is like not not fix, but yes. they'll they'll go a better direction. So, again, that and that's going to be my question for you. What would you love? To, what needs to happen in this upcoming film in order to salvage it and be able to make it canon that you'd actually enjoy? So. We've said this in other in other franchises. Crimes of Grindelwald exists, whether we want it to or not. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna take something big to make it not canon later. Like I feel like Cursed Child is a little different. You can kind of say it happens in some kind of alternate timeline, but for all we know, Fantastic Beasts is one hundred percent canon. So it is what it is. I don't want them to focus the whole movie or half of a movie trying to fix what they did wrong with directions, but maybe flesh it out a little more. Maybe there's a there's a side plot where Credence is trying to fight Dumbledore, and then you find out that Grindelwald was lying because Credence can't be a Dumbledore. That doesn't make any sense. But also, I don't know. I have no clue what they're going to be doing. Part of it's probably going to be Newt's commander and Dumbledore trying to break the blood pack. What I don't see, I don't understand what they're going to do because they're saying they're doing five 
Fantastic Beast films. Can you imagine them doing three more of these? No, honestly. I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm still along the lines of what you were saying in terms of have Fantastic Beasts kind of stand on its own and then establish three films for this time period. So you have Crimes of Grindelwald, you have a second one, and then you have a, a finale. That's how I think they should do it. What? But I think they should just make... The, like, at this point, I kind of hope that they change their mind and that this one's actually the third one, and that's it, like the end of a trilogy. Yeah. My thing is, is that there's going to be a lot that you're going to have to pack in there. <laughs> and we're going to get another situation to where they're going to just... have to pack things in anyway. Yeah. It's the style that she's writing these movies anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, who knows? I and just, that... I couldn't tell you what I want them to fix because they can't really go back on what they said mm-hmm. or established. So for this, it's more like, I just hope they do something better but I have no clue where they're going to go if they want to do three more movies. Yeah. I want Dumbledore, like, I want to see the Dumbledore-Grindelwald fight, but I don't want to see it desperately enough to sit through so many movies to get there. Yeah. I think, if anything, what they'll probably do is maybe they'll focus on Dumbledore's journey to being the master of death until he ultimately faces Grindelwald. Well, you see, they already went on that path before these movies mm-hmm. took place. Doesn't mean Dumbledore she won't had go back through it again on because that'd be she interesting. Obviously loves to go back and and do those things. It would be interesting. Maybe you would see some flashbacks of their youth or something. Mm-hmm. Have that be like a subplot. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool, but it'd be a lot of like love story then. Yeah. Might be a little interesting. I don't know. But he's not, so he's not master. He has the Elder Wand and he has the Resurrection Stone. But I don't know when he gets the Resurrection Stone. Yeah. But he does not have the Invisibility Cloak. He doesn't get the Invisibility Cloak until like, what is it, 1980 ish? Mm-hmm. Whenever, yeah. Harry, whenever Harry's parents die. Yeah, so in like 1989, maybe 1990. No, earlier no. than that. Yeah. Because I begin at the close. So 1997, 1998 is when Deathly Hallows takes place. Oh, so it's okay. got to be 17 years before that. So 81. So like 81. 80 or 81. I want to say it takes place in 1998. Yeah, and so... I think with all of that, there's, I continue to try and look at this with an open mind and with positivity in my heart. I, however, do not fault anyone for not having that same optimism that I may have, just because there are, compared to the eight films that we've received before, this is a train wreck in terms of plot and in terms of clarity yeah. in the story. So how do it's you kind of like there's too there's either too much or too little clarity. Mm-hmm. Oh, like they're yeah. like we're gonna take the time to tell you all of these things that aren't related, but then we're gonna throw this random thing out at the end that 
doesn't make any sense. It's like when a teacher gives you all this information and says, and this is how you do it. I've explained it all out to you. But then you're just sitting there and be like, wait, I don't really understand why it's the way that you say it is. And then your teacher just goes, yep. It just kind of leaves you like dumbfounded. And you're just like, I, I don't I just like put this. My, but now I just put my feet in the teacher's shoes. I'm like, just trying to teach. Why don't you get it? <laughs> I don't and know. Maybe that's what J.K. Rowling is saying to us. Why don't you do get you, it? I want to say something before we end this one. We've talked about this, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But do you think J.K. Rowling should pass the baton at some point? If not, she should have already. So it's not like in Star Wars where George Lucas clearly should have passed it to Dave Filoni, which he now has officially. Um, I don't know who would take the baton, though. Honestly. There's so many. Like, it's, it doesn't have to be one person. Right. But I don't even know if I trust a group of people to with this. Something that I should say, too, is these are all made by Warner Brothers, which is known for massive studio interference and stuff Mm -hmm. and weird choices like directionally yeah other than fox fox does that too wow yeah that's interesting so So these are uh, the people making the dc movies yeah not the same people but the same company right (sighs) but yeah i feel like i don't think warner brothers has it but somebody else with a good hand behind the wheel could deliver like it like imagine if they gave the reins to somebody to do a harry potter like a wizarding world trilogy of some kind Mm -hmm. could be really interesting it really could be and so i think there's there's a lot good that can come out of it we just gotta kind of get through this rough patch before we can hopefully see some great maybe this third one will be amazing yeah maybe it will be the end because no one cares anymore about this series Mm-hmm. I don't know because Crimes of Grindelwald didn't do awesome at the box office yeah who's to say yeah but I but, love Harry Potter um, yes. it's so so good I really want to almost read them now again <laughs> I actually have uh, the Sorcerer's Stone on my on my nightstand that I've been so kind of Chamber of Secrets is in my bag me and Isabel have been kind of reading them together actually but i'm way more into them she hasn't read them before but she saw the movies mm-hmm. so seeing the movies then reading the books is like really painful so yeah oh, yeah sadly and chamber of secrets is kind of still a kid's book it's really good mm-hmm. but it's, it's styled in a different way which is hard for a 22 year old person to read yeah but spencer i think you said it best we still love harry potter it's still enjoyable. I still for love Boots Commander. Yes. Which I'm a Hufflepuff, so. I love Albus Dumbledore. I love Jude Law as Dumbledore. And I am a Gryffindor. Through and through. We don't have any Slytherins on the the wide the wider Gazebo effect team. Yeah, I don't think we do. Luke's a know. Gryffindor too. You know, Tim's, that should... Tim's a Ravenclaw. And that Nicole's makes sense. a Hufflepuff. 
Yeah. What is Luke? He's a Gryffindor. I just said that. Oh, okay. I messed that. Yeah. But he's a he's gonna be mad that you, he's gonna be mad if he hears that you said that that you didn't remember. He's a vibrant Gryffindor. He's a he's a colorful Gryffindor. <laughs> Sorry. No, that that's meant, Dumbledore. I, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> colorful, colorful, and uh, colorful in terms of his mysterious past. Mm. Yes. And maybe his crimes. I don't know. Maybe his crimes. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of The Gazebo Effect. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Show of Requirement Pod to know 